I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Um, still down here in Florida, Zach's birthplace. And uh-huh. uh, I guess, were you born here, Zach, in Florida? Yeah, I was born and, well, I lived in Louisiana for a little while, but not back and forth, but between Louisiana and Florida. Those are my, that's my, that's my stomping grounds. You're, you're almost there. So there's a little town north of where you're at in Tallahassee in Georgia. And the name of it is Dasher, Georgia, that my family uh, founded in the 1800s. So there's a little, there's a little factoid. We got, we got a town named after us. Just north of you. I never knew that. I may, I may, if I have time, I may have to go by there and see if Drive I can up. see some of the it's, old dashers. You know, dad, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's right south of Valdosta. So we, we, we got, we got a little, we got some Georgia roots in there. And, uh, it's actually funny because our family came over in 1732 from Salzburg, uh, and they, they pledged allegiance to the Queen of England because they were Lutherans that were being, I guess persecuted and there was whatever going on with that. And so they fled and established a church in Ebenezer, Georgia, Savannah area. And that's, that was in the 1700s. Uh, there's, yeah, there's like a lot of history. Then they migrated down to South Georgia or, or I guess that Austin area in the 1800s. So yeah, a lot of history there for the, for the, for the Dasher crew. But that's interesting that, that the, and it's a religious, like a spiritual history, because uh, I never knew any of that. I mean, that, so that goes back. Where did you say the origination? You Salzburg in Austria. Yeah, in Austria. Um, and so they they were they were uh, Lutheran. My great great whatever grandfather was a Lutheran pastor, and it was Weisenbakers called the Salzburg Society is what they they're called. If you go around like Tybee Island area, Savannah, that whole area. Um, and so they came and set up shop in Ebenezer. Um, and yeah, and then one of my great great grandfathers, Herman Christian Dasher, somehow got hooked up with the Stone Campbell movement um, around that time that was happening. And so then they were in the early days of, of what's called the Restoration Movement, which is the church that I used to be a part of, Church of Christ, Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of history there. It's pretty cool. We'd love to go down there. Typically, Austrian people enjoy artistic talents such as music and craftsmanship and value deep and meaningful conversation rather than shallow, small talk. Well, that's, totally that's, agree. that's a tribute to you and your dad there, Zach. Yeah. Well, I just, that yeah. was the first thing that popped <laughs> up. And since Zach has tendencies that likes to go to deeper waters even if he doesn't really understand what he's talking about it's deep every time he and every time he does that he doesn't have to win himself over because i already have come to a conclusion he's smarter than i am Mm -hmm. so is his dad well i'll i'll introduce a new concept for y'all this may be a a new word that the danger of that, since I now know Zach's history, is the danger of causing Migo. Migo? Causing what? Migo. M E G O. Like like you're you're hitting the road? No, there's a condition that happens to a man sometimes <laughs> and 
this no it's not me go in that a lot of times look when someone someone is talking it represents my eyes glaze over so, so you when go you, the you danger go. the danger of listening to deep conversation or articulation sometimes is amigo where your your eyes glaze over yeah. Hundreds of preachers have made an art form out of that. Yeah. They're talking and the audience are migos. The people that are against us are making the claim that we are, in fact, unhinged. Well, now you can throw in migo. When you're talking, their eyes, my eyes glaze over. Migo. 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 But feel free to use that, Zach. But always remember, if you look at your audience and it looks like their eyes yeah. are glazed over, you might ought to simplify the message. Oh, it's happened before. I mean, not not very often, but there's been a couple times when I've like preached and I looked out and I thought, "Migo, this, this is this uh, this thing is," and I couldn't get out of it either. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. And now one, you have a of, phrase. I didn't come up with that. I, I heard a guy do a sermon one time, and he was talking about preaching to the heart of the matter and simplifying yeah. things, and he brought that up. He said, because you never want to have Migo preaching, where the audience's eyes are they're looking at you, but they're, they're not getting it. Yeah. Plus, you're not getting any response, good or bad, from them. They just... They're not listening. No. I mean, Jesus addressed well, you that. Know. You know, people are hearing but not understanding. I, I I believe that most sermons ought, ought to be scaled down to about 20 or 25 minutes. That's what I think. But you've preached for an hour several times in your but you're way better off. <laughs> 25, 20, 25 minutes. No, I agree. I've come to that conclusion. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah, it depends on the setting. You know, I think I think it depends on your setting that, that you're in and some conversations, you know. Uh, and you, it you, you depends on the content. You know, if you're yeah. if you're preaching Jesus and you're being practical, I'll listen to you for an hour. Yep. But if you're talking I mean, about you look, you, things that don't matter and my eyes are glazed over, let's What does your computer say the uh as far as the participation rate on how people can they they they're good for to keep their mind on what you're talking about, you know, what's what's the word for it? The attention span, the average attention span? Yeah, attention span. What's the average attention span for the American public? I bet Jace has got his phone out. Well, Dad, I think that's about seven seconds, uh, you know, for for the typical male. Yeah. (laughs) No, Al, you're off by 1.25 seconds. The average human has an attention span of 8.25 seconds. Whew. So with that bit of information, a bull rider is actually the perfect <laughs> thing to pursue. Well, according to the words of Jesus, that's that's about right. I mean, they. they, but, you, they but, but you know, it's funny, because I, I look at the analytics on our on our podcast a lot, and uh, this one, and our, our, ironically, uh, the Duck Car Room are, um, have very high durations. About ninety-eight percent of the people that listen to this podcast get get to the end of it, which is very rare in the podcast world. That people stay for you know forty-five, fifty minutes. 
um, and listen to the whole thing. So we actually have very, very, very high duration rates on this podcast. I think maybe it's because it's a little more conversational. And we'll usually start with like what we're doing now, a road to nowhere. You know, it's kind of like we're, we just pontificate and then we get, <laughs> then we get into the Bible at some point. Uh, the, that's the, the cold open was born. I see multiple articles that say the best time for a speaking session is 20 minutes. That's basically the now, pulse. Now I didn't of know that was I'm written, reading. but does that kind of, Agree with what I said, 20, 25 minutes, and then wrap it up. I mean, what they say, though, is they have this one group has has it broken down. I mean, they're like two years old. It's four to six minutes. That's all you're ever going to get at optimum. Three years old, six to eight minutes. Four years old, eight to 12, five and six, 12 to 18. It just kind of goes up to adult is capable 32 to 50 minutes. But they're like. At fifty, it somebody call nine one one. Yeah, shut it down. Yeah, that, that's you right. know what I do. What you know what I've been doing? If I go, so if I go and if I'm, I want to listen to a someone do a, I have a speech on YouTube or on, particularly on YouTube. I try to find it on YouTube if I can. What I try to do is is get it on a some kind of platform where I can, where they have the option for me to increase the speed of the of their talk. So if on, on YouTube, I can, most people I go about two times. So if it's a 40 minute talk, I listen to the whole thing in 20 minutes. And I did the same thing with audible books and podcasting. I like speed it up. Hmm. I don't know why I do that. Hmm. You like make them talk faster. Well, that's yeah, there's a, like a gear, like a, like you can just like you click on the icon. It says what play, what playback speed it, do you want? And then I increase the speed so that I can consume more content, which may so be a problem. A, I don't know. Is the icon, does it look like a chipmunk? I mean, because they tried to come um, up with an album and that yeah. was a disaster. They're like, we're going to make well, a song and we're going to speed it up. But it sounded like chipmunks singing. Did now it work? They, no, that could, oh, yeah. They made a lot of money, but I couldn't listen to it because it sounded like I don't want to hear chipmunks sing. I like humans. Yeah. Now, what, what it, I think what it, the, what the technology does, it just gets rid of the the space in between. Like there's oh, like spaces okay. in between. Yeah. And it gets rid of, it gets rid of that. So, right. um, so it doesn't really like increase the pitch or the, um, but you could consume a lot more content. But yeah. Well, I was only joking. Well, I'll give you the we we mentioned this before, Jace. I'll mention what our mentors told us when we were training to to speak before audiences. We've mentioned Carl Allison many times. He's from Oklahoma. He said, if you hadn't struck oil in 20 minutes, quit boring. And I thought that was a pretty good line to, to your point, dad, about 20 minutes. And then Bill Smith, mm -hmm. uh, another guy that we was our mentor. He said, the brain can endure only what the posterior can stand. There's a lot of truth in that. Carl Allison also said, if you, <laughs> If you haven't said what you needed to say in 25 minutes, go home and write a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was that, that was our attempt at a cold open, I guess. <laughs> What's funny is we're making fun of people and we we can all talk in in you know at nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's kind of, we need to be self-deprecating here. We have that problem. Yeah, because like Zach said, we're we're talking, we're doing podcasts, <laughs> and we're doing an hour of content four times a week. So we're we're doing way more than that. But to your point, Zach, and I just wanted to give a little thanks to Unashamed Nation. You guys stick with us. And look, I, I'm always amazed when I meet people out here in the Fruited Plains, which I will again tonight. I mean, they're like, I, I listen to every podcast. And I've even run up on people and said, I've listened to all the podcasts more than once. And I was like, well, God bless you. I don't know. I don't know what you do for a living, but a lot of them like working, they're truck drivers. They, a lot of them are working a factory where they, you know, clean up all day. And so they get the headphones in. I mean, it really is pretty amazing that how much content's going out there, but we appreciate you guys for soaking it in because we love putting it out there. Well, this kind of ties in with what we're going to talk about from my angle. We don't know what we're going to talk about on our takes from the transfiguration. But we left off chapter 9, verse 2, which I said should have been 9-1, but that's a talk for another day. But I want to read this before we take our first break. And it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured or transformed before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than any one in the world could bleach them. And there appeared... Elijah and Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. Peter said, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were all so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. It's a weird story. Let's take a break on that. So we have a new sponsor called Established Titles. Uh, and it's kind of a it's a fun and novel way to preserve the natural woodlands of Scotland, as well as a lot of other places around the world. Um, you know, we, we have a Scottish heritage. We've talked about it before on the podcast. Uh, we even did a episode about it on the Little Duck Show. And so uh, established titles, uh, if you go with these guys, you can purchase souvenir plots of land in Scotland. And based on historic Scottish customs, this allows you to be called a lord or a lady, uh, which we like that, a Scottish lord, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's basically helping them preserve woodlands, which we're all about. You, you know, we've talked about this a lot before on the podcast about how much we preserve our own woodlands. So. We think this is a fun thing uh, for you guys to do, as well as uh, to to help get some trees planted um, to to future support global and restoration efforts, which is always a good thing. So we plant a tree with every order. Uh, we work with global charities, one tree planted and trees for the future to support global restoration efforts. You could officially include the title Lord or Lady on your credit card, your plane tickets, dating profiles, whatever. It makes a great last minute gift. Um, we can build our own little unashamed kingdom. So we think this will be fun. Uh, it's got a, it's a great charity, great work to be able to do. It makes an amazing last minute gift. Established titles is actually running a massive black Friday sale right now. Plus if you use the code Phil, you get an additional 10% off. So go to establishedtitles.com slash Phil to get your gifts now and help support the channel. That's establishedtitles.com slash Phil. The phrase, 
listen to him was an addition to when God spoke. He only spoke two times in, in the Gospels. When Jesus was baptized, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, whom I love. This is my son who I love and with him I'm well pleased. Well, here he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And the other Gospels actually put in that with whom I'm well pleased. So he added he added that listen to him. Mistake so, free speech. Yeah. Mistake truth free. embodied. You wanna know what God th- thinks? Listen to him. Now why did he say that? So think about it. You have Moses who represented the law. What when people when it come when it came to Knowing what God wanted through the law, what did you do? You listened to Moses. When it came to prophets, well, we have a representative here, Elijah. When you know what God, how he's speaking through men, through prophecy, well, you listen to someone like Elijah. But now we have an announcement from God. And Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 really, really helps understand this point. And the first two had made mistakes, well, they had some of the but, things, but they, they had also they had a lot in common. You know, they were. Yeah, I think they were the only two that actually did hands-on miracles uh, in the Old Testament. Now, y'all can fact check me on that, but they did do powerful things, and so now it's it's almost like it is like God is saying, "Now, I want you to listen to Him." Well, just think about those three disciples sitting there listening to this. It's it's kind of like. Final word. They're having trouble listening to the things Jesus is saying because we just had an instance where Jesus said, I'm going to die in three days. I'm going to rise again. And Peter said, "Uh, oh, wait, let me rebuke you on that. He's not listening to what he's saying. So now we have an encounter, which to me clears up a lot of prophecies. You can go to Malachi 4, 4 through 6. And, and read that as you read this. And now you're beginning to see all those passages like in Luke 24 where, where Jesus came to fulfill everything written in the law and in the prophets. That's Luke 24. That's a lot. Sounds like to me that's what the announcement is about. And there's a glimpse here that, oh, you thought somebody who's put their faith in God were dead you're now seeing a glimpse that it's not over. I like it, Jace. Let's read the Malachi passage. I want to start with in one, this one that's in chapter three, too. Behold, I'm coming to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek, this is what, he, what he's going to do, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then in in chapter four, he says, for behold, a day is coming, burning like a furnace and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chafed. And And the day is coming where he will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from, from the stall. You will tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day, which I'm preparing says the Lord of hosts. Now think about what's, what's going to happen here. 
You say, well, who is going, what's going to, what's going to burn that is going to destroy the root? It says here, uh, uh, the root, you will have neither root nor branch. I think the coming of the kingdom, you have to, I mean, this is a big part of it, is what is going to happen with the destruction of Jerusalem in, in, in AD 70. And you had these prophecies in the Old Testament that are coming to fruition here. Um, you, furthermore, when you look at the book of Exodus, listen to this language here. Whenever Moses went on Mount on the mountain to, to receive word from God, it said a cloud. Um, let me see here. Uh, the Lord said, come to me on this mountain. And so he got up and he goes onto the mountain. But um, And then it says, uh, then Moses, verse 15 of Exodus 24, then Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called Moses into the midst of the cloud, and then he appeared to Moses and, and did that there. You turn to Mark chapter 9, when Jesus goes up on the same mountain, what does it say happened? It says, uh, Mark chapter 9, at the uh, transfiguration, it says that he went up on the mountain. Cloud appeared and enveloped them. Well, and the yeah, cloud so then always represented the presence of God yeah, in the Old Testament. That's it. So, and, yeah, yeah that, and that's the point there, right? Because uh, you turn to Mark 9, 7, then the cloud formed and overshadowed them, and the voice came out of the clouds, this is my son, listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them except Jesus alone. And and that I mean, I think that, to your point, Jace, that's, that's the thing, is that the, this is the, the coming of, of the presence of God, that God, God incarnate the, on this, this Mount of Transfiguration. It is the all of the deity is dwelling in bodily form. You have this man, Jesus in whom is the fullness of God in a moment that, that you actually see his glory. You see God's glory on this mountain, just like uh, Moses saw God's glory on that mountain when he met with him. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Well, he said <laughs> before, he said in verse 9 that I didn't read. Uh, well, it says 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus, which is another aspect to this that we don't discuss. It, okay, supernaturally, one guy that died, Moses, and another guy that just left are now, years later, hundreds of years later, having a conversation with Jesus, but they also disappeared. So when you think about the benefits of a resurrected dwelling, the fact that we can talk and disappear, and radiate, and have time no longer have effect on us, you're no longer aging, all these principles are very appealing to me as a plus, plus human being. Yeah, the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anybody what they had seen yeah. until the Son of Man had risen from the dead, and then they kept the matter to themselves, yeah. discussing what is rising from the dead? They still have not connected the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They still have, they haven't got it. 
And then it goes on to say, and they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Well, Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just that it is written about about him. And so then you see in some of the other parallel passages that he was referring to the spirit of uh, Elijah coming through John the Baptist. Yep. Yep. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. So we talk a lot uh, to our guys on our podcast in particular uh, about, you know, how to be better men, how to be better dads, you know, how to be better husbands. Um, and we have been since we began the podcast. Obviously, we're all working to try to do that. Um, one of the things that we like to encourage, especially our men to stand for, uh, is what, what we call covenant eyes. You know, the concept comes from Job 31. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. And we know that that's a huge problem in our culture. I'm sure it's a problem even with our audience. Uh, pornography is a killer. It kills your innocence. It kills your, your reality. It hurts your family. And Covenant Eyes, which is uh, one of our, our great sponsors on our podcast for over 22 years, have helped over a million and a half people toward a porn-free life. And so we love these guys. We love what they're doing. They're a blessing. I've, I've known about them even back when I first got started in ministry. And so we want to encourage you guys to check out uh, how you can get away from pornography right now. Uh, the Covenant Eyes is offering a, a free trial for 30 days. So it's 30-day free trial if you sign up today using the promo code Phil. So you've got nothing to lose but a lot to gain. Visit CoveEyes, C-O-V-E-Y-E-S, CoveEyes.com slash Phil. That's CoveEyes.com slash Phil and get a free 30-day trial and move on towards no pornography in your life. I, I love that point though that Phil was getting at that they they didn't understand. <clears throat> I think that's the, this whole thing is unfolding. They couldn't quite get like what what is he talking about here? You know, like the, the, again the context. We're thinking political power. We're thinking power in in conventional wisdom of of humanity. What does that mean? But they, when he says that don't you know he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen. Again, they had no context until the Son of Man rose from the dead. We read that just like we read about taking up the cross in, in Mark eight thirty four. We read that. Oh yeah, I know what that means. They did not know what this meant. That's why they said they seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what rising from the dead meant. They're like, what, what is he like? What, what like, what's he talking about? They like, couldn't they, grasp that. They couldn't grasp it. So even Peter's confession, you know, that you're the Son of God. If you really think about it. The only person in the entire Bible that, or the first person rather, the first person in the entire Bible to confess Jesus as as the Son of God, post like with with, with the idea that he was going to be crucified in mind, was was a, a random soldier after his crucifixion, who said a Roman soldier said clearly this was the Son of God. Like it's like uh, everything is coming to that moment. Like that one moment of that Roman soldier who was the first person in history to get it. Think about that. 
The first person in history to understand what Jesus is talking about here was a Roman soldier who was at his death and probably participating in killing him, looked up and saw the son of God hanging on a cross. And he, and he has the right conclusion. This crucified man, surely he was the son of God. Hmm. This, that, that, I think that's what's, what's hard, what they're getting at here. And that's why when they're trying to say, well, are you John the Baptist then? I mean, I'm sorry, John the Baptist, are you, are you the, the, the Elijah, right? Cause, cause a lot, cause, but the Old Testament says a lot, that there's going to be a prophet like Elijah coming, preparing the way of the Lord. So is that is that who you? So you're Elijah. They thought John. The, this is why they thought John the Baptist was Elijah. Again, they're not understanding what's happening here. And Jesus is like he's dripping it in. He's just dripping in this kingdom message. And they're going to get it at some point, but they don't get it quite yet. Pretty cool. But I want to say this: we, this is one of the few instances where we do have a later clarification on what went down and i'll just pick out this one little phrase that we usually laugh at is when peter said should we make some shelters or some tents uh what verse is that where he said it's good yeah let us put up three tents and look this is obviously referring to because he had probably heard the story of moses on the mountain where this happened and they built shelters you know because you you couldn't look on the face of God, right? Well, Peter later, he did get it because when he wrote a letter called Second Peter, yep. he refers to this. And if I pick yeah, he it, got it eventually. If I pick up in verse 18, I want I want you to notice the similarities here. What chapter? <clears throat> Second Peter one, I think that's no, that's thirteen. This is real small print. I think it is right to refresh your member. Your let's start over. Second Peter one thirteen. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. That, that's a that's a reference that he's had familiarities with, because I know that I will soon put it aside, the tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me, and that I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So now he's got, he's got that figured out. Yep. So watch what he says. We didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his, and he describes this as his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him, from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And we also know that he said, listen to him. You say, well, how do we know this is the mountain and not the baptism? Because he says, we ourselves heard his voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Yep. I just think that's fascinating. It's stuck you fast with him. forward, and now he he got it. There was yeah, a glimpse that, that it's not that over. Was, yeah. This is a tent. Don't worry. There's something he's using the best word he can think of, and the best way majesty. we can describe it as majesty. Yeah, which is yeah. I'll I'll look that up. How what we think of that now? Well, while you're looking that up, let let, let me make this point. 
that that when when we consider what's happening here, I, I got these two words that start with R, and both of them are being accomplished here. One is is righteousness. I thought, what is the point of Moses? What is the point of the law? The law was meant to bring righteousness, which it never did, never could. Um, and then what was the point of the prophets? To bring another R word, revelation. Righteousness and revelation. And in 1 John, I wrote this down, 1 John 1.14, or not, not 1 John 1.14, John 1, verse 14. Before you it read way. it, I want to define majesty because I think they got this one yeah. right. The first thing that came up was Royal power. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Which is which is indicative of uh, that that's kingdom language, right? Exactly. That's, that's kingdom language. Royal power, that is kingdom language. And there's a new kingdom that's coming that is going to be fulfilled in Jesus, particularly in terms of how we get right with God, how we're made righteous. Mo- Moses was the law, didn't work, and Jesus it does. Moses, what listen to what it says here about Moses and And Jesus and John one, it says um, and the word, this is verse 14 and the word talking about Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, this is he, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness, we have all received in grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. So the the law, and Moses is here, right? He's here on the mountain. Why is he there? Because the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Think about that moment. This moment of the uh, when Jesus is is in his transfiguration with Moses, what what's happening here is it's a declaration. Hey, Moses, like, I brought the law, and then Christ is like, yeah, and grace and truth is realized through me. That's why. And then li- listen to him takes on a lot of meaning. Oh, I I, I zeroed in on that. Listen to him, and you think hold about. On, let's, let, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's take a quick break. So uh, as the old song says, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, We love holiday season. The Robertsons all do. We get together. We have a blast. We're always looking for things to to give somebody a a great gift. And one of the gifts that we would uh, love for you guys to think about is bowl and branch sheets. Uh, They're our favorite sheets, uh, 100% organic cotton threads, the best on earth. Uh, We all love them. Uh, Lisa and I have been using this product way before they were on uh, sponsors on our podcast, and um, they they have no toxins, pesticides, no harsh chemicals when they're made. Um, you have different designs and colors for every bedroom style and mattress size. They have a thirty night worry free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all orders. So if for some reason you don't like them, uh, you can ship it back for free, and they'll they'll give you your money back. But you're going to love them, trust me. Uh, and it creates a great gift. So give the gift of a better night's sleep with Bowl and Branch. Right now, our listeners get early access to their Black Friday sale uh, with the promo code Robertson. So it's 25% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code Robertson at bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com, bowlandbranch.com. Use the promo code Robertson. The offer ends November 27th. 
You think about in religions and churches today and people who try to put themselves under law or get some prophecy outside of Jesus just within themselves about direction. We've already, he's already he's already addressed this. Yep. Don't put yourself under law. Don't you don't need any word from God outside of Jesus. That's why it said, you know, through him it's it's always yes. The promises are fulfilled with yeah listen to him hebrews 1 1 through 3 in the past you know he talked through prophets in various ways a lot of different guys but now yeah Uh, but now he he speaks to us by his son that's verse 2 and appointed him heir of all things and through whom made the universe he's the radiance of god's glory you don't think there wasn't some radiance going on and some glorious oh. there and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by what his powerful word that's why you listen to him his word Closely. Is, Closely. his word is power yep hey i love that man this cuz you say what what is the book of hebrews i th- i thought the same thing jason i was studying this so, I mean, how, if you just said, hey, can you just condense the entire book of Hebrews into a moment? I would say, yeah, it's called the Mount of it's Jesus's Transfiguration. That is the whole book of Hebrews in a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and when I, I gave the whole thing on Moses being about righteousness and, and Jesus fulfilled that righteousness. But but the but the prophets, that was Elijah. What is what was the role of the prophet? The prophet was you're supposed to listen to the prophet because they're going to give you revelation from God. They they spoke on behalf of God. And so when you read that part um, in verse seven, when he says, This is my son, listen to him. This is how I I heard that. And I think this is how it's how he said it. This is my son, listen to him. It's 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 like it's it's it's, a, it's the emphasis is on him, it's a transferal. Of hey, he is the all this pr- prophecy stuff. The prophets that, that are was all over. Pointing, it's over with the yeah, prophets. The prophets they're, they're over. The last one to speak was Malachi, and 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 what did he say in chapter three and four? And he was mm-hmm. like, hey, there's like somebody's coming, somebody's coming, and then there's this moment. That's why in the book of Mark, I mean this this is the this is kind of the climax of the book of Mark. This is the that that uh, the arc in the, in the middle of the book of Mark, this is where it's all happening here that there's like this. Okay. Wait, wait, something different, something bigger, like something is going on here. Cause Jesus is, is, is both. He is, he is the realization of grace and truth, right? He is mm. Moses brought the law. Elijah was the prophet. And then, and Jesus is standing right there in the middle of him. He said, okay, boys, this has going to go down. Yep. And he, he is the summation of all of it. Great point. And I want to read the verse I was reading Hebrews 1. I want to just finish that thought when it says, After he provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The same word, use what we're reading now, royal power. So he became superior. And then we, we just at? studied Hebrews. I'm in Hebrews 1, 3. He's he's superior to angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to the prophets. He, which is a summation. You know, we just backtracked and went to Mark, but we see how we got here in this moment. Now I have real something exciting I wanted to go through, and this is a this is a sub point. Before you make that point, I wanted to share one other thing that these three had in common that was really amazing. You know, I call it a tale of three mountains. Zach alluded to it a minute ago. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, 
You remember God told him, he said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock because my presence is about to come by and you can't look at my presence. It's more than you can do. So he stuck him in this little you know, hole in a rock and the, and the Lord came by at this moment when the law was coming. You get to first Kings 19, right after the Mount Carmel dust up with Elijah and all these priests, false priests were killed to, to your point, Zach, the false narratives were killed so that the truth could come out. Elijah almost had a depression. He had a 40 day, you know, fast. And he said, you know, I'm just ready to go. God took him up on Mount Horeb and said, my presence is about to pass by. And then out of that, he tells him what he needs to do. And, and I thought it was really amazing because both of them experienced the presence of God in their vernacular, which was, of course, prophecy and the law. And now they're getting to experience it on this sacred mountain, as Peter calls it, with Jesus who was there on both of the other instances. So all three of them, now the presence of God is being shown out in this moment. So there was so much going on. It was really powerful. Al, That's good. every and once in a while, me and you, you said, let me, before you make your point, I want to make a point. And it was the exact point that I was going to make. <laughs> However, I want to read to take it a little further. Cause I just want to put an exclamation point on what you said. I was literally going to the same verses, <laughs> but I want to read them because I think it, it made a more powerful impact on me when I read it. And you've done the background by what you just said. And if you didn't get what Al said, rewind. So in verse 20 of Exodus 33, there's, there's a clarification. It says, but he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. God said that to Moses. He was in the presence, but he couldn't look at him. And wouldn't you know it that in 1 Kings 19 that you referenced, in verse 13, the same idea is, is discussed. It says, man, this, this writing is so small. It says, <laughs> when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood out at the mouth of the cave. Now, the reason I'm making a, such a big deal about this, about the face, is because when you fast forward to 2 Corinthians 3 and say, what's this, well, what's this got to do with me? The Lord, verse 17, is the Spirit, because all this is done by the Spirit's power, but you got to remember Colossians 2, all the deity lives in bodily form in Jesus, but in, in 317, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and a lot of power. I mean, you're free from the laws of nature. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect, reflect the Lord's glory are being, well, look at here, the same word that we are reading transfigured, the metamorphosis we're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. But I want to make this point. Here's hold these on, two guys. Make, hold on. Hold on. Before you make that point, let's take our last break. So, Jace, you're spending a lot of time on the road um, filming this new yeah. show. Uh, I'm out on the road a lot as well. What do you miss the most from your uh, domicile at home? Well, it's this is a, I will answer you with two points. I miss my wife, but mm -hmm. I love it 
when I come home and she's in the bed that I'm fixing to enter. <laughs> so I miss the wife and the bed itself. Because, so the bed itself yes. has uh, on on top of it is uh, is Helix Sleep, uh, which is one of our favorite sponsors. Uh, been with us for a pretty good while. Uh, they have uh, fourteen unique mattresses. Uh, they've got all big and tall. They they fit any size a person. Uh, they're very very comfortable. They have a hundred night risk free trial, which is fantastic. So they give you almost a third of the year to make sure you love this. But you you will love this. Trust me. Um, we, we both, uh, took a quiz actually all three of us did cause uh, mom and dad did as well, uh, on their website and, uh, on there, they'll ask you, do you like it a little bit firm? Do you like it a little bit soft? Uh, which is, uh, all the answers that you need. So Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So that's a great deal. Uh, we're all three I highly recommend this mattress. If you order now $200 off and two free pillows, for the unashamed listeners, go to helixsleep.com slash unashamed. That's helixsleep.com slash unashamed. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Here's these two guys. One of them's been dead for hundreds of years, and the others have been, you know, been MIA. And they, in this presence of God and being used by God, they couldn't look at his face. And now... We have a moment in time, hundreds of years later, where they are looking at the face of God. Pretty amazing. They're looking at Jesus. He has a face. Yep. Now it's radiating and it's bright, but they're looking at it. And that's what Jesus brings to humanity, access to God on a face-to-face basis, which is... Great thinking. It's amazing. It's like you should line up. Jace, you are a lot smarter than you look. (laughs) I just connect, I just connected I, I, the dots that's here. Well, I, I think I think uh, uh, it, it's too. Uh, this big question kept coming up when you were earlier quoting out a book of Hebrews, and Jesus was the kind of the summation of all of this. He was better than he was superior. The superiority of Jesus to the law to the prophets, and now you've added in a third component that Jesus is the the way that we're going to become able to access the presence of God. I would argue, too, that Jesus is in the book of John actually kicks that further and says, not only do you get the presence of me, it actually gets better because the Holy Spirit's coming and there's going to be something even bigger. God's going to be in you, which is what that Second Corinthians 3 passage is talking about, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But I say, you know, the question is why? Like, like why is Christ better than the prophets? Why is he better than the law? And why is, is, is he better for us accessing the presence of God? And I think this is the conversation they were having in Luke about on the mountain. This is the reason why was answered in, in Luke's account of this. It's because of his coming departure. It's because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the, see, the gospel is why he's better. The gospel is like how he, well, he's, he's better because he's God. But in the in the context of what the law and the prophets and all that was trying to accomplish, that's the whole book of Hebrews. He's mm-hmm. better because he's a he's a, a a sacrifice that will actually work. How in the world are the blood of goats and bulls going to really take away my sin? The, the, those animals aren't even made in the image of God. 
They don't even bear his image. So how are they going to provide any real atoning sacrifice? So not so I don't just get something that bears the image of God that takes on the, the, the sins of the world. I get God himself who takes this on. And that's the part that's weird about this Mount of Transfiguration. Again, it's the paradox that God is glorious. And then he said, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die. Mm. I'm going to be buried in a tomb. And I'm going to be raised three days later. But it, And they were starting to yeah. get it. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what was now unapproachable because of the power of God and the sin of men and mankind. That's why Jesus bridged the gap. We always we we got the part about the sin because he was the atoning sacrifice. But I think we missed the whole point of why he became a man is so that we could actually see him. And because, you you know, I don't think it's an accident that those two passages, the reason I wanted to read those is because it made a point saying you couldn't look at the face of God. And now, hundreds of years later, they're looking at the face of God. Well, there, there's got to be a reason for him to make a point about that. It, it became relatable. That was the point of the atonement. The point of the atonement is that so that we can see the face of God. That is the point of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why when Phil, we're going to put this out at some point, we were talking about it earlier, we had a great idea on his last sermon where he just gave the resume of Jesus. And I don't think he did anything but read scripture, right? Or just read descriptions of Jesus for 20 minutes. He did the same thing I did. He took the dots and just put them on a piece of paper. I love how you said that. I haven't listened to it yet, Phil, but I love how you, when you were explaining it, you said something that I think was like, I don't, know, I don't know if you intentionally meant to do this or not, but it was the perfect ending to all of he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the sovereign king, the whatever, all the descriptions that you gave. And then it all kind of stops at a point. I just, and, and, and then you said, and he's my friend. Yeah. And he's my friend. I think, okay, that's what's, that's what this is. That's the kingdom. No, I agree. The bigness of, the bigness of God. And you read all <laughs> of that resume. And yeah. at the end of it, you say, and he's my friend. Well, you know, Phil, Phil made the point that that's he felt bad because he forgot that. But I think that I was a, down. I think the Holy Spirit intervened and made you forget. So then, when you clarified, it became that much more powerful. Yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> you know what that's what happened. Because it's like, and oh yeah, he's our friend. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which is the paradox of the Mount of which Transfiguration. Which is If you reject him, you have rejected your only chance. Now, the only thing I'm wanting to, because Zach may be right about, because we're just speculating on what they're talking about. But the fact is, you now have a scene where there's three guys and semi-human, semi-supernatural, semi-spiritual, heavenly form having a conversation well i think the greater point is not what they're discussing it's the fact that they are discussing in this form yeah yeah <laughs> it's in a yeah. transformed form with the ability to be friendly well that's what's appealing to me because trust me i don't care what we're talking about i just want to be in the conversation yeah it adds up to the word profound. You know, uh, Zach brought up the uh, 
Tombstone reference earlier, or maybe in the previous podcast, they had the vengeance right, and they had the remember when oh uh, Doc Holliday's or whatever he said, I got lots of friends, and he's like, I don't, and they're like, well, why are you doing this? And he's like, because he's my friend. It it's like you can't have these moments in movies that we enjoy without somehow transforming it into something that we get from the Bible and what Jesus represented. You know, it's like you can have, I mean, we want vengeance and everybody wants revenge on, on this planet, but the only way you can justify it and make it a movie that has a warm, touching vibe to it is if we're doing it because we're friends. Friendship. Yep. <laughs> I wonder where they got that idea is what I'm saying. But Jay's, Jay's, when you think about it, can, can law and prophecy bring friendship and relationship and love? No. Nope. Nope. Can either one of those bring that to the table? I mean, they are what they are. They were, God used it how he used it, but you can't, it all came down to the love of God and Jesus in particular that changed everything. And I think that, you know, the, remember the audience, the audience here is Peter, James, and John, and ultimately us. But in that moment, it was those three guys. And what was Jesus trying to get them to see? It wasn't you need to build a tabernacle over each of us. It's relationship. It's friendship. It's just what we've been talking about. It's it's what's well, going to advance the kingdom. Yeah, I think it's what separates what God did through Jesus and the Holy Spirit from all other religions. Because, look, when you go back and look at a study of religion since the beginning of time, whenever they would come up with these ideas, uh, and there were many of them, where they would say, I'll— I'll sacrifice my my daughter or my son to the gods so that we'll have good favor. And look, they did that. And people looked at that as just like barbaric and unbelievable. And so when people encounter Jesus, they're like, well, that, he's doing the same thing. No, it's different. God didn't ask us to do this. And you notice when he said, you bring your own cross, he wasn't asking us to sacrifice somebody else. God said, look, I'm the sacrifice. I'm going to provide Jesus as the sacrifice. And you say, well, how do we follow? What, what do we have? To, do we have to give up? He's like, no, you got to give up yourself. That's what separates this from all other religions. And I think it's spectacular. Yep, that's it. And also, uh, we're running a promo code special right now. If you use promo code Phil, you get $10 off that subscription to follow Send Overtime. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.